As I walked along the corridor of the workhouse and then out across the cobbled yard to the main gate, I could feel Mangwell's vengeance stare on my back the whole time. He and Ketch glared at me as Griffin and I left Drut's office and I could see the disappointment in his face when he realised he wasn't going to get the chance to beat me up today. We left Plender Street and walked down to Cramdale Road and then across into Summerstown. Summerstown was only a mile away from the workhouse but it was a place I did my best to stay away from on times when I did go outside. Camden Town's rough but Summerstown is even rougher. Even the police don't like walking around Summerstown on their own. We crisscrossed Summerstown through back alleys and narrow lanes until we came to a ramshackle building with a pair of wooden doors at the front. Griffin unlocked the doors and we went in. This is my shop, said Griffin. Inside it stank of soot. Everything seemed covered with a fine layer of the stuff. Not that there seemed to be much inside. It was an open room, a bit like the laundry room at the workhouse. A few wooden cupboards leant against one wall. A four-wheeled handcart stood in the centre of the floor with wooden bins on top of the cart. A set of chimney brushes leaned against the wall. In one corner I saw a glint of glass and realised that it was a pile of old window frames, most of them broken. Around the room, leaning against the walls and against one another, were bulging sacks. Soot, confirmed Griffin, tapping one of the sacks. I sells it to the big houses. Their gardener swear by it for keeping slugs off. He gestured to a flight of rickety wooden stairs in the corner. I live upstairs over the shop, he said. You'll go back to the asylum and stay there generally. But tonight you and I need to talk. And away from that perisher drut. Come on. With that, Griffin walked over to the stairs and started to go up them. I hesitated. I'd heard stories of what some men did to boys when they hired them out from Drutt, and I was wondering if I could run far and get away before Griffin caught me. Griffin became aware that I wasn't behind him, because he stopped and jerked his thumb at me. Come on, he said. I won't hurt you. You're worth money to me. He then continued up the stairs, still wary. I went after him. The room upstairs also had a thin layer of black soot over everything, but it wasn't as bad as downstairs. There was a broken looking bed, a saggy armchair, a dark wooden table with two hard back chairs and a small chest of drawers. A jug stood on the table. Thirsty, he asked. I nodded. He took two mugs from the top of the chest of drawers, poured the liquid into the jar, in- poured the liquid from the jar into them and handed me one. I smelt it. It was small beer. Everyone drinks small beer instead of water because the water in London is so bad. It stinks and is all sorts of muddy colours. Some say it has so much muck in it it can almost stand up on its own. People say small beer is much better for you because the hops in it kill the germs. Even babies drink small beer once they finish with their mother's milk. Griffin motioned for me to sit on one of the wooden chairs and sat down on the armchair. It creaked under his weight and he settled down in it. Now for starters, if anyone asks if you're a chimney sweeps boy, you tell him you ain't, he said. Them interfering busybodies in Parliament have passed an act saying it's against the law for anyone under 12 to go up a chimney. He gave a derisive laugh. 21? What idiots! By the time a man gets to that age, he's too big to get up a chimney, especially the narrow ones they're building nowadays. See, if they catches us, it's me who has to pay the fine. Surely people will know I'm not 21 when we arrive, I said puzzled. Of course they'll know, agreed Griffin heartily. Everybody knows, 
and everybody turns a blind eye to it, except them busybodies in Parliament. If they didn't, there, would be, there wouldn't be one chimney in London that would be swept. So everyone pretends it don't go on, but it does. Next, are you afraid of the dark? I thought of the many times I'd spent in the dark cupboard over the years I'd been at the workhouse, and how I'd got used to it. No, sir, I said. Good, he said, because places don't come much blacker than inside of the chimney. He looked at me thoughtfully. I know you can climb, that's no problem. Let's look at your hands and knees. I looked at him puzzled. My knees, I echoed. Yes, he said, you'll be using your knees a lot in the chimney. They're built like they've got stairs made out of bricks inside them, but you can't stand up inside a chimney, so you'll be going up on those bricks on your knees. I rolled up my trouser leg and he came over and knelt down in front of me and examined my knees, first looking at them and then poking and pinching the skin. Now your hands. He took both my hands in his and examined the palms. Your skin's too soft, he said. We've got a tough in it. Wait there. He went to the stairs and disappeared down to the room below. I heard something metal being shifted around and liquid being poured. Then Griffin reappeared carrying a bucket. The smell from it was an overpowering smell of fish and salt. Brine, he explained as he put the bucket down. I gets it from the fishmonger. It's the salt that's left over when they finished salting the fish. Good stuff. It will make your skin like leather. You better start putting it on tonight. Putting it on? Griffin nodded. It won't help much, but we've got an early start tomorrow and our first chimney is still going to be warm. He handed me a piece of rag. Sit down on the floor and soak that rag in the brine and rub it on your knees. Keep doing that. That way your hands will get the brine on them as well. The salt will make your skin thicker. He shrugged. Some reckons it helps to scrape the skin off your knees first, make them bleed and then put the brine on. Maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. I've tried both ways and if you ask me it depends on the boy. Some have got tough skin already and the brine works on its own. Some need a few cuts on their knees for it to work. We'll just have to wait to see what's best for you. I sat down beside the bucket of stinking fish smelling water, thick with salt and plunged the rag into it. How long do I have to do this for? I asked. The more you don't want to burn your hands and knees, the longer you'll do it, said Griffin. He headed back to the stairs. I'm going to the pub on the corner, the Red Lion, he said. If anyone comes asking for me, tell them that's where I am. If I ain't back before you're ready to sleep, just lie down wherever you want except the bed. That's for me. With that, he went back down the stairs. I heard his feet cross the room below and the outside door opened and then banged shut. I looked around at the room for a place where I would sleep. There wasn't anywhere, just bare boards. I'd just have to wrap my coat around me to keep warm tonight while I slept on wooden floorboards. It wouldn't be the first time. Right now I'd better get started on making my hands and knees thick if I didn't want to get burnt tomorrow. I took the smelly brine soaked rag out of the bucket and laid it across my knees and felt the liquid settle almost like jelly on my skin. I squeezed all the salty liquid out and then plunged the rag back into the bucket again. Tomorrow I'd be going up my first chimney.